But in Daniel chapter number 5, we have another very popular, popular scripture. And I get to Daniel chapter number 5, and Daniel chapter number 3, and Daniel chapter number 6. Brother Jeff, my mind goes back to these little cassette tapes. Do y'all know what, y'all remember what cassette tapes are? I think I'm preaching to the generation that knows what cassette tapes are. I might be preaching to a generation that knows what long play albums are. Glory to God. But I had the cassette tapes when I was just a kid. My mind goes back to those three Hebrew children as they were thrown into that fiery furnace in Daniel chapter number 3. And, and uh, I, I go, my mind goes back to Daniel chapter number 6 as Daniel is thrown into the den of lions. But yet God gets him out of there. And I remember those stories, the little cassette tapes with a book. And I would listen to that cassette tape with earphones. Finally, mom and dad got me earphones because they got tired of listening to those stories with me. I'd play them over and over and over. I bet Michelle and Mandy got tired of them too. But I'd listen to those stories time and time again. And at the end of the, end of the chapter or end of the song, or uh, there would be a song sung at the end of every one of those accounts that they would give the story of. And they would sing something like, He is Lord, He is Lord, glory to God. He has risen from the grave. And he is Lord. Boy, my mind goes back to those times. And that's what I think about when I I go through the book of Daniel and see those things. And boy, this chapter is so important when we begin to look overall. Because history changes in Daniel chapter number 5. History has changed. Why? Because in Daniel chapter number 2, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that this day would come. As a matter of fact, in the book of Ezekiel, it says that the, the nations would serve Nebuchadnezzar. His son and his son's son. And guess what we find here in Daniel chapter number 5. The accuracy of the Bible. The word of God. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Is so accurate. That men cannot even believe. That Daniel would even write it. As a matter of fact. Daniel is contemplated to be written. That there's no way that Daniel could have written this book in the time. Because he is so accurate. That they could not believe it. They say he had to be at least a second generation or second uh, uh, century writer to be able to have this with such accuracy. Well, when the Word of God is inspired, and you know that because that's what the Paul had said by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, that all Scripture is given by inspiration, God breathed. When we believe that, then we know that the Holy Spirit of God knows all and can tell us all that we need to know. When we get to this chapter, chapter number 5, I... I see this king's party that's starting. Look at verse number one with me and we'll get started into the Bible study this evening. And we won't even try to contain ourselves tonight, praise God. Because God's word is good. Daniel chapter number five, verse number one. Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem, And the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine. And look at this. And praised the gods of gold, 
and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. That's a long list. You remember last week we started talking about how that they, they uh, had also a fire God. And yet God had used their own God against them. And once again, here we are, we see God that uh, will only so long take the mockery of, his, of people before Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray You'd use us tonight. God, help us, Lord, in this way, God, that we might be able to preach the Word of God. Lord, I pray You'd guard my mouth and my mind. God, I pray that You'd use us in a great, mighty way for Your honor, for Your glory. God, fill me with Your Spirit. God, use us, Lord, that we might be able to speak exactly what You'd have us to speak. Lord, help somebody that maybe need to hear this message tonight, God. I pray that you'd uh, help us, God, that we might be able to go forward to, to serve you out into the world, the highways and the byways, God, and tell others about you. God, use this message tonight. Use this scripture tonight. God, you promised that your word would not return void. Lord, we, we need a word from you tonight. God, we need something fresh from you, God. We need something great from you, God. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you have already uh, given the opportunity for us to be able to be here, God. And I pray that you'd use it, Lord, tonight. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So as we're peering into the introductory verses here, we look in chapter number 5. We all know that this is the great chapter where uh, Belshazzar's throwing the great party. The king's throwing a party. And then he says that, hey, there's no problem. And then all of a sudden, the hand of God shows up and he begins to write on the wall. And as he's writing the wall, he tells them pretty much that you've been tried, you've been found wanting. There's nothing that uh, I can do with you and you're about to be, your life is about to be taken from you. And that night, that very night, Belshazzar lost his life and a new kingdom was set up. The golden head that was on the, uh, the Nebuchadnezzar's uh, idol that he set up and that golden head was now, had been taken down and the silver arms and chest was now setting up in the Medo-Persian uh, uh, war that they have. And, and they're going through and we have several years that have passed actually. When you look at chapter number 3, you see the three Hebrew children. And you see them being thrown into that furnace. But then Daniel chapter number 4, you see that Nebuchadnezzar is walking around and admiring how great he was. Careful when you start admiring how wonderful you are. Forgetting about how God has blessed you and put you where you are today. Nebuchadnezzar is doing that, he's walking around and then he hears a voice thunder from heaven and he is a mad, as a madman and then later on he writes a letter and he wants to send it out beyond uh, all where he rules at to say that uh, the God of heaven, the God of the universe, the God of uh, Daniel, the God of uh, uh, the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that, those people's God, he is the God of heaven and thank God that he finally recognized that. To be able to see that. But then when we get to chapter number 5, we see several years that have passed through there. As a matter of fact, if you want to look chronologically, Daniel chapter number 7 and 8 are actually before Daniel chapter number 5. The book of Daniel is kind of set up in a historical setting. The first six chapters of his life, you see a historical setting of what had happened in Daniel's life. And then 7 through 12 is set up as a prophetical about the prophecies that Daniel has given. And when we see those chapters that are unveiled, we see 7 and 8 are actually uh, before we see chapter number 5. And we see this as happening and uh, as it's beginning, we see that uh, uh, there's a new king that's on there. And historically, it's believed that a few other kings have actually been in power before Belshazzar. As a matter of fact, between Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, uh, a lot of kings, several kings were able to rule. And for many years, 
uh, there was a time where they think that they thought that the Bible was wrong, that they had gotten something wrong. But it wasn't until about the 1800s they actually found that Belshazzar's name was actually written on a few of the things there in Babylonian rule. So therefore it proved the word of God. Can I say this? You, you won't ever have to worry about people coming out and saying we have proven the word of God wrong. Don't ever worry about that because it will never happen. Because the God, the God of the universe gives us the truth and the only the truth. And we're so thankful that we know without a shadow of a doubt that if the word of God says it, I can stand on it. You know what I've seen in the book of Daniel, how all the kingdoms that were set up and one brought forth the other and Daniel chapter number 2 and as you see in Daniel chapter number 7 and 8 and 10 and 11 and 12, you see that all these kingdoms and by the way, in Daniel chapter number 12, when you look at it, there's another kingdom that comes down and there's another kingdom that comes as a mountain that comes out of a rock that's not made with cut out of a stone, but praise God, that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ that comes and smashes and is able to crush the enemy that is before, and I'm so thankful that we have the opportunity to know that one day I get to be in that kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And if you're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you get to be in that kingdom as well. And I'm so thankful that I get to see that one day. I'm so thankful. I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of myself. But y'all pray for me. Glory to God. When Nebuchadnezzar had uh, died, he had his son, and his name was Evil Manrock. If your name has evil in it, you've got to be evil. So he reigns for a few years, and somebody assassinates him, and then his brother-in-law, or Nebuchadnezzar's son-in-law, comes along and sets up rule, and he was about crazy, and just after a few months, somebody assassinates him, and then he has a, a grandson that's of another that comes along, and, and, and he is assassinated. He dies because it's only just a few months of his rule, and then when you get through that rule, you have the one that is now ruling in Babylon. And Babylon is, um, Nabobius is actually the one that he is setting in, and it's his son that is Belshazzar. And it's a co-regency that's happening. It's, as a matter of fact, that's why whenever he made the promise, he said, Daniel, or anybody that can tell me what this writing on the wall means, then you'll be third in charge. Now, a lot of people say, well, that's all wrong because there wasn't ever a king. Well, yes, there was. We have proven in the 1800s that Belshazzar was there, actually a king. He was a co-regent with his father. And that was something that was set up very often, that a father would go out into battle and father would go out into other places. And he would set his king up as a, uh, set his son up as a king. And as he set his son up as a king, he was making him rule in his stead in that place. And now he's in a battle and he's out and about and he's going through him. When we look at Babylon, Babylon uh, we see a 14 to 15 mile square. We see the outer walls that are about 87 feet thick. Now this is, this is why you've got to have this background that you see that Belshazzar's not worried about the armies that are right outside the city. Because he's got walls 87 foot thick. Those walls are 350 foot tall. On top of that, every 100 feet, he has a tower built that goes another 100 feet, a total of 450 feet, and he has guards setting up beyond on every one of those towers. He has no problem and no worries. Why? Because he has the walls that nobody can get in. He doesn't have to worry about going outside of the city because he has plenty of land to be able to make uh, uh, put farmland out there. And he has the Euphrates River running through the middle of the city. And he doesn't have to worry about a supply 
of water because he has the great Euphrates River that is coming through there. So then he goes ahead and he says, now, I want to throw a big party and I want to tell all these people that we may be surrounded by enemies, but we've got nothing to fear. He was wrong. See, this party was a well-known party, and it was a party that God had come to crash, and he did it well. When he came in, he made a a scene. He showed up at the party, and all those party-goers were brought down to their knees, and the king was trying to give an account of this party to be able to say, hey, I want to uplift the spirits of all of you people. I want to tell you how great that things are. But when God showed up on the scene, that there were a few things that were revealed about the heart of this king. Number one that I see this, is that there's a troubled conscience. Well, he knew what he was doing was wrong. He knew exactly that he was doing. When he was having this great uh, party, he was going along and saying, hey, we can do this and we can do that. He knew that that was wrong, but then even further, he goes further on. And it says that while he was tasting the wine, where he had already been tasting the wine for a while, that means he was probably a little further along than most should ever be. Or that any should be. And as he goes along and he's tasting that wine, he says, I'll tell you what, let's get, the, let's get the, the, the golden vessels and the silver vessels and those things that came from Jerusalem. They're so beautiful. Boy, they're so great. I want to see those things. Let's, let's bring those in and let's drink out of those things. And I'm sure that somebody said, this is not a good idea. But it didn't get to the king. The king said, just come on ahead. And, but there is a, Belshazzar saw that the walls were around him and they were protecting him. And, and God, oh boy, he knew that uh, there were things that were going to be happening. And, and, and Belshazzar saying, hey, I want to get you to participate in this thing. I want to persuade everybody else to participate in this party. Don't worry. The walls have us. The, the, the river has us. Uh, the great city has us. We don't have anything to worry about. But yet there's something in his mind that his conscience was troubled. Number two, I see also that his transfigured countenance. Or when he saw the writing on the hand of the, uh, on the wall, that handwriting, uh, this has to do with him turning pale. Have you ever seen somebody where they just turned pale? Something happened to them and they just had a completely different look on their face? Boy, it just struck him with fear to his heart. And, and when, you encounter, when you have an encounter with God, it's going to make a difference. You say, Brother Shane, are you, really, are you really sure that it's really going to make a difference? Ask Moses if it made a difference when he spent time with God up on Sinai. And the people of God said, put something over your face because you've been spending time with God. We can't even look at you right now. Ask Paul when he says, when he was walking through or, or traveling on that road to Damascus, when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ and, and boy, it blinded him and it made a difference. And when he had an encounter with God, and I can tell you, when you have an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, it'll make a difference in your life. It'll make a difference in the way. But this one was not one that he was happy about. This was one of, of judgment. He knew that there was something that was about to happen. And then three, you see a terrified cry. What is a terrified cry that he had? Belshazzar cried out, but he cried out to the wrong people again. You would think that we would learn from our mistakes. You would think that we would say, I found out that this person is not dependable and I'm not going to go to them again. You would think that we would say, every time I go to these people, something else happens. We would think that we would learn, Brother Steve, that we just go to God. 
just go to God and yet he goes through one more time and he's dependent on other men and we've got to recognize that there is only one that we can really truly, that can help us in our time of need and in our time of, of trouble. You can learn lessons from Neb- or, or Belshazzar as we have that, but the party was ending and the party ended on the worst note that could possibly happen. You could possibly imagine any ending to any party, but what is the happening that it happens? Look with me in the, at the end of chapter number 5. Look at verse number 30, the very, almost the last verse. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. In a moment's notice, the, the one that had thrown the party, the party animal, the life of the party, his life was taken from him. In a moment's notice, the powerful nation that Babylon was and the powerful nation that everything and everybody thought nothing could ever happen to Babylon. We're too great. We're too powerful. We have too much going for us. Changed in a heartbeat. And a new nation, a new powerhouse was set up. I want to say this real quickly. don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But America better watch out. I believe with all of my heart that the United States of America is the best place on the face of the earth to live. I thank God that I was born here. I thank God that I was allowed to be able to grow up here, to have the freedoms that I was able to have, to be able to have the freedom to come to church and to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to be able to preach about His name and to sing about His name. I thank God that I have a family, I have a a church family to come to, a church to be able to see and enjoy, and I I thank God for that. But America better watch out, because in a moment's notice, that could all change. And I will say this, that a word of warning, that if the United States of America continues on the path that is going on, there is no doubt why the United States of America is not found in end time prophecies. I look forward to going up. I look forward to seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we look at this, historically, a new direction begins to take place. And I noticed a few things about this Bible. Now, I want you to, about this party that happened. I want you to look with me real quickly. Uh, I had a, 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 a chapter number five, verse number four. Look at this verse with me. And I see a displaced praise that is happening there. The displaced place. Why? They drink wine and they praise the gods of gold and of silver and of brass and of iron and of wood and of stone. While they are praising these gods, I have no idea. Why it is that the people would put their faith and trust in something like this. That the, the gold, the wood, the brass, the, the stone, none of, those, none of those gods would ever be able to speak to them or be able to touch them or be able to hear them or be able to see them in their need. None of those gods would ever be able to do any of that. And I serve a God that loves me and cares for me and hears me and sees me and, and walks with me and be able to know without a shadow of a doubt that God is with me and for me every step of the way. I'm so thankful that we have but yet then again when I look around the world that we live in in the United States of America we have gods that we are set up and it is gods of gold and it is gods of silver there's so many times that you say you need to you need to do this you need to have gold you need to have silver you need to have money you need to have wealth you need to have this you need to have that boy we don't need to worry about these sort of things but we need to worry about what the Lord Jesus Christ would have us be doing then we need to worry about how we can tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ how we can be a service uh, 
of service from the Lord Jesus Christ to tell others that God is coming soon. And it's believed that when we begin to look at this verse, verse number 4, there's about 20 to 25 years that where Nebuchadnezzar had made his profession and recommendation that others would follow the Lord Jesus or God Almighty because Daniel's God is the God. And he makes that prophecy, and he makes that clear, but one would think that others would learn from what ha- others had made the mistakes, but past friends and family still make f- mistakes that all of us do. It seems like it's a vicious cycle that goes through. Have you ever seen someone going down a path and you thought, don't go there? Why? Because I've been there and I don't want you to go through the same thing that I've been through. I'll be honest with you, the older I get, and I'm getting old, but the older that I get, the more intelligent my parents are. Now, when I was 13, they didn't know anything. When I was 16, they didn't know much at all. When I turned 18, uh, they might know a few things. 21... And now I'm... Brother Earl, I'm just praying that God will give me half the wisdom my mom and dad had. To be able to, 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 be able to, to have that kind of wisdom. But yet we would learn through those things. But when we see in verse number 1, Belshazzar, he's making this great feast and he's doing it what? He's doing it to the Lord's. He's doing it to those ones. He's trying to impress those people that are around him. And Belshazzar, Belshazzar is showboating to the people in front of the people. Giving this, this false sense of security that everything's okay. And they're placing their trust in the very wrong things. Not in God Almighty, but they're placing their trust in what they have around them. Boy, we can try to set up walls and we can try to set up securities and we can try to set up all of these different things. But if God is on our side, you can't, it doesn't matter if you have two dimes or two nickels or if you got a billion dollars. God's on your side. You're going to make it through. Just trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, when we see that, but what do we see? Well, what is he doing when he's doing that? When he has displaced uh, praise, what is he doing? He's mocking God. Look at verse number 2 and 3 with me. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels, which was his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives, his concubines might drink therein, and they might brought the golden vessels that they were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and the princes and the wives and his concubines drank in them. He's making a mockery of God. He's taking what God has consecrated, the people of God had consecrated, what God had made holy with his people. Solomon had made these. By order of God. In First Kings, you'll try to find that. We don't have time to turn there tonight. But you'll find it. That he had done these things. There's people in this world that are taking things, Brother Matt, that they're thinking that God has consecrated. They're taking marriage. And they are laughing and mocking at God at the face. They've taken children that are uh, being aborted. And they're just throwing them to the side. And they're mocking God by that. Boy, you see a oh, God named Chemosh. A oh, God named Chemosh where he, his, he was set up and he had a... He had a big belly, kind of like mine, Brother Jerry. But it was open. And they had his arms and he had his hands out. And they would take babies and children. And they would lay them down and roll them down his arms into a belly of fire. 
How much more are we sacrificing our children that we don't even see before they're ever born? We see all these things that are happening, and yet we're trying to stand by the wayside. But I can tell you that God is not going to be mocked before He's going to come along someday, and He's going to say, you've done enough, you've gone too far, I'm no longer going to keep back, and I'm no longer going to have this mercy right now. But Galatians tells us that He will be not, be not deceived, that God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth shall he also reap. For the sacrilege that was being taken, uh, uh, taken advantage of and was happening right then was the final straw for God. And he said, finally, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let judgment take its place. Boy, I've, I've been setting up this judgment. I've been setting up this time. I told you that it was going to happen. I told you who it was going to happen with. But yet you continue to deny me and to, de- to deny what I've been telling you to do. Now the arms and the chest of silver are coming to replace that head of gold. And now Medo-Persia is coming up to be part of that. And boy, those, they were trying to please the Babylonian gods. Praise the gold and that silver. But again, they're raising themselves up and saying, look at us. Look at us. Boy, as the people of God, we don't need to say, look at us. We need to look and say, look at who we serve. Look at the grace that God can give. Look at the mercy that God will be able to give to you. Look at how God can turn it all around for each and every one of us. But then there's a display of power. Look at verse number uh, 5 with me. In that same hour, forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw a part of the hand that wrote. Now I'm going to go on. I'm going to say this. And some people say, well, I don't believe that. But the Bible already says that Belshazzar said, go get all the gold and the silver things and all that good stuff that had been brought out of Jerusalem and out of the temple. And I believe that the same uh, that we have this when it says the candlestick. I believe that that was the holy candlestick that was in the temple. And now they were making a mockery. And they had that there. And God's hand showed up where the... The light of the world was being shown. Glory to God. And we see that. That even non-church people know. When that saying that you see the handwriting on the wall. You see that that's happening. They may not know where it comes from. But they know that saying. And when they see now, they see this, that that prophetic way, in a very prophetic way, when the power of God is revealed, and it causes the people that are not even in church, and the people that don't know anything about God, then all of a sudden God shows up on the scene, and they recognize that it's the power of God. Boy, we need to be able to recognize and see that God shows up on the scene. You say, well, well, how important is it? Well, the importance of this is in Daniel chapter number 5, we have God, His finger, handwriting on the wall. We have this also when in Exodus chapter number 8, that He wrote down with His finger, or, or looked down with His finger, and He sent the plagues to Egypt. In Exodus chapter number 31, He takes His finger and He writes on those platelets, and He gives the law of God. In, in, in Exodus, or Luke chapter number 11, He goes and He casts out demons with His finger and tells them to go on. There's other times when... And he steps down in John chapter number 8. And he puts conviction on those that are standing around the scribes and the Pharisees. And he uses the finger of God. But brother Michael, I'm so glad that one day when I was a six-year-old little boy, God used his finger to write my name down in the blood of Jesus Christ. And he said, hey, your name's written down in the blood Lamb's book of life. And ain't nobody ever going to take it out. And nobody ever going to be able to pull it out and blot it out. Because your name is written down forever. God has used uh, uh, the finger of God to be able to write my name 
down. And if you have been saved, then you ought to thank God that your name has been written down in the book, Lamb's Book of Life. And thank God that you have a, a salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God, I'm getting excited in Bible study. We ought to have a good time to be able to praise Jesus and say, Thank God for what you have done for each and every one of us. Mm. Hallelujah. Boy, Brother Lonnie, we're going to get in trouble. Hallelujah. Praising God in this way. We see this time. We see this uh, uh, cause, this trembling. Boy, that finger of God caused a trembling. In chapter number 5, verse number 6 and 7, you go through and you read through that, and he sees that, that the countenance was changed, and it troubled him. And the power of God at this place, men will tremble in fear. His joints had no strength in them. It says that his joints were loosed. That means that his, his hips had no power to stand. He, he was so amazed and so fearful that he just lost all ability and strength to be able to stand. And it says that his knees started knocking. Have you ever been so scared that your knees started knocking? I did. I was about 40 stories in the air with my kids. Put me in one of them swing, swing things. Going around about. And I was thinking those little chain links are not enough to hold me up. And my knees started knocking. And I got to praying, Brother Earl. I started saying, Lord, if you'll just let me fall in that water. When if I, just, Lord, hold me up until I, okay, I'm getting close to the water. You can let me go now if I have to, if I'm going to fall. But boy, I'm telling you, uh, we, we go through and our knees start knocking because fear. But then all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus Christ, God Almighty, shows up on the scene. And there's no reason for any of us to fear. We have not been given a spirit of fear. We have a God. We have a Savior. We have a Lord Jesus Christ that has saved our soul and given us an opportunity to know Him and to, to, to abide with Him. There's no reason for us to fear. But the people that do not and have shunned God have fear all over them. And Belshazzar could hardly stand because in time to come, there's going to be others that are not going to be able to stand. Because the Bible does say that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that the Lord Jesus Christ, that He is Lord. In the book of Revelation, it says that the mountains and the rocks, they're going to cry out for them to fall on them and say, hide us from this God. Hide us from this powerful one. We want to be away from Him. It's going to cause trembling. But thank God that we have the opportunity to know that we are going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ at that time. It causes a trembling, but it also causes trouble when you look at verses number 8 and 9. You look through that, it sees that, that we have a display of power because it's causing trouble. Well, not trouble for the people of God, but the people that are rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ, the people that are rejecting God. We see a man that can't not go uh, and give an answer, uh, not to the language, but, but the interpretation. They knew what the word said, but they didn't know what it meant. And then this is the third time that somebody has been uh, uh, realized that those people, remember the astrologers, those ones, the magicians, you see all those people, Nebuchadnezzar asked for them in chapter number 2, what's the interpretation? They couldn't give it. In, 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 in Daniel chapter number 4, what's the interpretation? They couldn't give it. Belshazzar goes to them in Daniel chapter number 5, and he goes to them again. And once again, guess what happens? They failed him again. But there is one that sticks closer than a brother. 
that will never leave me and never forsake me and never fail me. I thank God that He will never fail me no matter what and He will never fail you. If man would only go to God first and not use Him as a crutch, that word troubled is really important. It means to terrify. It means to hasten. It means to, to be in trouble. Boy, uh, that was the same word that, that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar was used whenever it was used of him in Daniel chapter number 2 about the dream that he had. That it troubled him. It terrified him. What's the causing their trouble? And those that have placed uh, their faith in the king, now they're worried. They're beyond worried. They're astonished. They are scared to death. But God, aren't you glad, still has a man on the scene. <laughs> no matter what we go through, no matter the times that we have to face, I can promise you this, Brother Shane, that God will have a man that will be able to stand to proclaim the Word of God. Uh, people, He will have a remnant. He will have a people. And God had a man in place during that time. Look with me in Daniel chapter number 5, verse number 10. Look with me. This is this is awesome verse. And, and I'm not going to be much longer, I promise. It will be done by at least uh, 8.45 a.m. I don't know what time y'all need to be at work. Y'all just go on, I guess. But we have, we have this. Look at verse number 10 with me. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet house. And the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. But I want you to underline the very first part of verse number 11. There is a man in thy kingdom. <laughs> Hallelujah. There is a... Oh, I'm so thankful that there... When I was a six-year-old little boy, I'm so thankful that there was a man that stood and preached the Word of God. Boy, how many of you remember the day you got saved? How many of you know without a shadow of a doubt that you were born again and you know Jesus Christ? And there was a day in your life that some God sent somebody along your way and sent a man or sent a woman or sent somebody to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that God still has a man. God still has somebody that's going to stand and proclaim the truth. God still has somebody that will say, this may be going wrong in your life, but I have the solution. This may be happening in your life, but I know that there's a way that you can get out of this. There's a, thank God that God has that man. But there is a direction to the prophet. What is that? Boy, quickly we see that there's a, a few ways that you can go through. Some people think that this is the mother of Belshazzar. Some people think that this is the widow of Nebuchadnezzar. Some people believe that this is the daughter and most likely was the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar. And then some people actually think that this is the wife of Belshazzar. But we do know that this woman was wise enough not to come to the fiesta that they were having. Thank God. So um, I'm excited to know that she's got some sense about her. And then also, you go a little further in the wisdom, we can see that she wasn't part of that banquet and she was important and she was powerful because she was called a queen. But she knew how to get and who to get in touch with. When times go awry, when difficulties arise, you need to know who to get in touch with. She knew the man of God. She knew exactly who she needed to get in touch. She told him, pull yourself together and face the facts. And I know the person you need to call. His name is Daniel. As a matter of fact, I, I won't even read this. In verse number, I believe it's uh, verse number 11, maybe even 12. He says that who the king named Belteshazzar, but she called him Daniel. So therefore, she's calling him by the name that God, 
God is my judge. Not Belteshazzar as in the one that he says that he placed his trust in Baal. No, but God is my judge. She's the one that is saying, call this man, call Daniel. Why? Because he knows God. I'm so glad that I know the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all are really excited to be able to know the Lord Jesus Christ too, I can tell. But I'm glad that I know Him and I'm glad that He knows me and I know that we have a relationship. And there's a man, boy, there's a time and time again that Daniel is described as a man with the Spirit of God. In verse number 11, it says that he is a man with the Spirit of God. And thank God, what a great testimony that he had. And he says, thy father. Well, that's used in the seven different connotations. It could be and probably is that he, she's saying, it's your grandfather. Your grandfather called him many times and he was able to tell you exactly what it was and wisdom was found in Daniel light and understanding is used as wisdom right there boy we need to use wisdom we preached this morning I can't get into this morning's message we preached this morning about having using wisdom as we use our words and we need to be careful with how we use our words and James chapter number three now uh, uh, shameless plug you probably need to come because I ran everybody else off on Wednesday morning this morning with the tongue preaching so you might want to come on sometime but we, I'm joking uh, but we have this Proverbs Proverbs is telling us about the wisdom that we have and for the Lord giveth wisdom and out of his mouth is knowledge and understanding happy is the man that findeth wisdom that's what Daniel gives to us Daniel uh, is showing that he had wisdom why? because he knew God Mm. And then also he knew the Word of God. You want to have somebody that you can depend upon? Make sure that this person is not somebody that is a good friend of yours and can give good sound advice or make you feel positive about yourself, but make sure that they know God. And secondly, make sure that they know God's Word. Because when they know God and they know God's word, they're going to give you sound advice. And that's exactly what Daniel does. Daniel will tell you uh, what you need to know and he can give you the answer that he needs to have. He knows God's word. People, turn, people have a way of turning to God and, and his people when things go awry. Do you remember where you were on September 11th of 2001? Now fast forward. I remember I was at my house and Heather and I were together. We saw that unfold before our eyes. Fast forward to the next Sunday. You had to have people directing traffic in front of the church. You had to have people, uh, ushers, to be able to say and count where we have empty seats at. Why? Because everybody was coming to God. Boy, we need to go to God in time of need. To be honest with you, I believe that she really knew who God was because she was using Daniel's Hebrew name and she respected the God of heaven. And what an amazing thing that we have to be able to see that God is moving in such a way. The party's coming to an end, though. See, this chapter is really, truly, it's just, it's just a prophecy that is given back to the dream in Nebuchadnezzar, chapter number 2 of the book of Daniel. This shift of power is beginning right here. And the Word of God is true and it's going to come to pass. And I can tell you that if the Word of God says it, it will come to pass. We see these things that come to pass right here at the end of chapter number 5. I just want to encourage you. Get to a person of God. If you're going through something tonight in your life... I want you to find somebody that knows God. 
knows God's Word. Knows that they can give you that. And I'll be honest with you, the world's having a big party right now. They are doing what they desire, but we're all called to be a, to Ezekiel, a watchman. We're to go out and to tell others that there's a day coming. We are to proclaim that there's a day that's coming. And just as this day was coming, Daniel was able to tell, boy, and I'd love for you to be a person that somebody else can go to because you know God. Somebody that someone else can come to because you know God and you know God's Word. Boy, the direction that will be brought to you. See, there is a day of judgment coming. But be that one that tells that Jesus Christ is coming soon. Be that one that when the party in is, when the party crowd decides and understands that that party is no longer where they need to be, point them in the right direction. Because we can be what, and tell them what they need to know. Be that one. Be that one to tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father.